You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Grump, everybody out there, you are listening to this show on Monday morning instead of Tuesday morning. And the question is why? Well, it's very simple. When we normally record on Monday nights, I will be on my way to Dallas for the 2020 World Series featuring your... American League champion, Tampa Bay Rays. So I am congratulating myself, giving myself a star, and I'm very excited. And if that wasn't good enough, we're also celebrating a Giants win. Fantastic. It feels nice to to finally use the the intro music for a win. Um, It's been collecting dust. Had to be polished before I could use that audio file. But but it's good. It feels good. Uh, you know, we're going to get into how to react to it, how to analyze it as we go through this. Uh, but let's just take one second to just acknowledge the good feeling of watching the rest of NFL Sunday, knowing that your team won is in the win column. It, it means everything. I mean, you know, this is a league about narratives and this is a league about perception as much as it is actual execution and results. And, the last thing you want to do is be lumped in with the Jets as the two only winless teams in New York. And what the hell is Joe Judge doing? And what the hell is Daniel Jones doing? And blah, 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 blah. You know, you are seeing improvement on this team week by week. It may not be in leaps and bounds, but things are getting better. Um, but when you lose, it doesn't matter because you've lost. And people expect to be in the Super Bowl every year with unrealistic expectations when they don't win it makes people go apeshit crazy and you know let's just have a little reality check though is you know it's great that we won and we're all excited about it but this is not a very good football team and you people out there we are not there yet where you can say well that was a bad win i'm not that happy about it we won well, wait, wait. Before we even get into good wins and bad wins, let's start with let's start with this. Anybody who is trying to convince you, or if you think this yourself, that this team was better off losing in order to get better, get your head checked. It just doesn't work like that. I mean, this is not a tanking organization right now. That's not what tanking is. Coaches don't tank. Players don't tank. This is very important for a new coaching staff to get their first win. Um, Absolutely. No matter yes. how good and pretty it looked. or I mean, the point is this team is better off winning, and you're not better off losing ever. Getting a high draft pick doesn't guarantee you anything. Draft picks are not always winners, even when you think they're winners. Let me, let's, get, let's get it through people's head right now. Trevor Lawrence is a mythical thing right now. It's the idea of Trevor Lawrence. You're not guaranteed anything with any quarterback that you draft that he's going to be better than what you have right now. 
And I think people look at, oh, Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence. You know, this organization, as long as Dave Gettleman is a general manager, which could be, you know, for another 11 games and that's that, or, you know, another two, three years or whatever, is not going to, on purpose, tank a team to undo a draft pick that it did two years ago. If, if, if Joe Judge did not like Daniel Jones and was like, this is not the guy for me, he would be where the quarterback who sh- sh- probably could be, should have been starting for his opponent today. He'd be riding the bench just like Daniel Jones, and I'm turning the page, I'm putting in a backup, and I'm going to tank the year to get that guy. Well, guess what? Daniel Jones is playing. Daniel Jones is getting – he is QB1 on this team – and there's absolutely zero indication from this coaching staff that they are out on him, even though they weren't around when they drafted him. So get it out of your brain right now that the, you, know, you only tank unless there's a specific once-in-a-lifetime chance to get that guy. You tank when you're about to clean house. Exactly. And you just hired a new coach, a whole new coaching staff. They're not cleaning house. They aren't tanking. And when you tank, you trade away all of your players, which is what the yeah. Jets are trying to do. Yeah, you tank if Ryan Fitzpatrick is your starting quarterback or somebody who has absolutely no future with your franchise and he's just treading water and getting you through to the end of the year. We're not there. We have a quarterback, and as much as people have an opinion on Daniel Jones already, it's it's ridiculous how many experts there are on Twitter out there who know more than general managers, who know more than you know the media guys, who know more than scouts, who have already written off Daniel Jones, uh, you know, that's not the direction this team is going with. And I hate to disappoint you guys. They're not trying to maximize the potential of another quarterback. They're not doing any of these things. So They're trying to win games, and that's what they did today. Now, good, bad, or ugly is irrelevant. I mean, people right now who are complaining about an ugly win, and I don't mean mentioning that it's an ugly win. I mean complaining that they should have won by more or done better, are the same people who would have – just shrugged it off if they had won 42 to nothing because, oh, it's just Washington. It's Washington. Yeah. So yeah. what? These are the games they're supposed to win, and they won. I mean, we're going to go through the good and the bad here, uh, but you have to take the good. It's You know, you expand upon the good, and it was important for not only this coaching staff, but for all of these players to get that first win out of the way. The longer that, you know, weight is on your shoulders of not having a win is around the worse it gets and now they can probably play a little bit more loose a little bit more confident and I'm not saying that's going to translate into wins but again this year is about looking for improvement and that sort of thing and that's where it comes from it plays with coming with confidence yeah I mean it you see it in every game and every sport when you are putting extra pressure on yourself to execute and to succeed that's usually when you fail in baseball you know you're swinging for the home run when you're down when you're in a slump you're swinging at anything you know in basketball if you're in a slump you're just taking more and more shots and you're not making them you know same thing with this so how does this help people go into the into the meetings on monday morning the you know team activities and there's a little extra pep in your step you're more likely to pay 110 percent attention as opposed to 90, 85, 80 as the season goes along and your season is over and there's no point to play. So it's it, these are very formative times for this franchise and building that foundation for this coaching staff, building the foundation for the core of the 
future of this team, building that culture. You don't want to start this culture off, you know, with a, a stink around it. So the faster you can get that first win, it's just another of, of several long steps on getting this team back to where it needs to be. So yeah, that's the way you have to look at it. Yeah. In a 20 to 19 win, the Giants uh, did lose in the middle of the game, CJ board to a very scary injury. Um, the latest information that we have is that, I mean, he, he had to be carted off the field, immobilized on the, um, on the, on the, on the board. Uh, and he was taken in for x-rays and then eventually taken to the hospital. The hope is that he gets to go home tonight. He seems to be doing well. Or initial diagnosis is a concussion and a sprained neck. Uh, does not appear that there are any any uh, broken bones in his neck or spine, which is very good news. Once swelling goes down, you get a, a better evaluation and a better prognosis of not as life or death, but like, you know, recovery time and you know when when you can start recovering and start you know whatever therapy is necessary so it's it's a scary thing and hopefully it sounds like uh you know it'll be okay it'll be okay in the long run yeah um you know honestly of all the hits i've seen the nfl it didn't look all that unusual apparently it was really loud on the field but uh I don't know. I think that's what made it scarier for me is that it didn't look all that crazy. And you could see immediately, I mean, his, his like arms were kind of limp and he was seeing stars and not really moving a lot. It very, very scary indeed. Um, <clears throat> all in all, though, um, let's get into a little bit of what went right for this game. Um, so I'm going to hand out my first star. I think this one's an obvious one. And I'm throwing it to... The most consistent, most consistent, maybe maybe second most consistent giant on the team this year, free agent pickup, James Bradbury, has been as I don't even know what to say. I mean, he's been as on fire as you can be on a team that just doesn't seem to be winning. He continues to be lights out no matter where he lines up, who he lines up against, if he's in zone, whatever. And he had a big interception today that. You know, in the first quarter, that set up a touchdown uh, to put the Giants up ten nothing, and uh, otherwise was not really the the culprit on anything at all. I mean, he just he continues to be probably the most consistent piece on defense. Yeah, um, in a position of probably the greatest need in the off season was shoring up that secondary. He's come in and has been a godsend for this team, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, we needed leadership back there. We needed some guy who actually, you know, exceeded expectations, and he's done that to this point. Yeah, I would say so. Um, I'm going to give out another star. This one is for a guy who played a pretty pretty pedestrian game, six tackles with four assists, but had probably the defining play of the game, Tay Crowder recovering fumble by Kyle Allen and returning it to the house for a touchdown. Um, you know, Football, good football games, good. Um, very competitive football games that are close usually have one or two plays that completely change the outcome of the game, and that was a game-changing play. I mean, I, I guess it should be a shared star, star between him and Kyler Fackrell. I think that might be fair. Who who did the strip sack? Mm-hmm. Um, definitely. I mean, the, the momentum-changing play. I mean, the, the Washington football team is moving the 
ball pretty much at will. Um, and uh, that just flipped the, the score right ahead. I mean, put the Giants up seven. I mean, it's a play. If I described it to you and said, who would that happen against you? Nine times out of ten said that had to be something that Daniel Jones did. <laughs> so it was nice that actually it actually happened, you know, for us instead of against us. It was, uh, it was a pretty exciting moment. You know, it's kind of probably could be the most exciting moment of the year so far, actually. Yeah, I mean that. Or I think Fackrell's interception pick six last week was pretty big too. Yeah, he's been another one of uh, the free agent pickups that have been really, really outshining um, some outside linebackers of the past couple of years on this team, uh, Kyler Fackrell. But I thought Gettleman wasn't good at free agency. You know, I, well, we're gonna do maybe like a mid-year assessment of Dave Gettleman, or or maybe I assume it. Um, if he if he gets fired, we'll do a. Um, an assessment on how he's done as a special episode. But at the middle of the year, I'd like to take a look at what he did this year because people who have been complaining about Dave Gettleman uh, seem to be leaving out everything he did just before this year when, yeah. when complaining about it. I think, and you know, again, I've said this a million times. I have no love for the man. I don't care. I can't really think of a free agent move he made this year that wasn't good. I mean, maybe Levine Toilolo has been kind of a whatever move, but every other one, Fackrell, Golden, Bradbury, Martinez. That was a low expectation move as well. I'm just, I'm just being <laughs> yeah, as yeah. out in the open as possible. Right. I mean, right. no, even, I mean, everyone that he's brought in has been really good so far this year. So, you know, that's, we'll, we'll and if we there. also, if we also want to go back and, you know, discuss the Leonard Williams trade, eh, pretty good game today. And guess what? I've been playing pretty damn well this year. Yeah, I mean, I guess that, I guess third that, sack today. Yeah, I guess it doesn't matter either. You know, you, everybody was judge and jury about the the trade, and you know, all oh, all these lost picks and blah blah blah, and he wanted to go there, and you know, well, guess what? You know, and the thing is, he's going to be you know at a minimum with this team for a year and a half from the time of the trade until this you know um, franchise tag is over, and either he resigns or you know whatever happens. Um, He's playing pretty damn well, and he, there was a stretch in that game today. He had taken over this game too. So, you know, I know if you want to die on your hill with something, go right ahead. But you know, look at all the data as you're moving forward. You you are allowed to change your position. We're not gonna we're not gonna crucify anybody on here. You know, but uh, he's playing really well. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Um, I'm also gonna give Logan Ryan one. Um, he did give up. He was the one in coverage on the touchdown at the very end of the game. But other than that, eight tackles, one sack, one tackle for a loss, and he recovered the onside kick at the end of the game. He was playing lights out in this game. I, I Logan Ryan really, really showed up for this game. You know, I was one of those people who was not really huge on bringing him in. I mean, yes, I think he's a good player. You know, I, I, I didn't think breaking the bank for him was a move worth making. And... Up until this game, I think that he's been fine. I had nothing really to complain about with him, but he didn't, you know, pop off the film for me in a lot of it. This game, he really showed up, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's uh, this whole defense has been a very pleasant surprise. It really has. Uh, Logan Ryan's going to suffer the same fate that Daniel Jones is going to suffer, and we're going to discuss him at great length shortly, but. It's kind of like my golf game. You know, I 
you know, I, I approach the 13th hole. I have a really good tee shot. My second shot's nice. I get ready to chip to get onto the green, and I hit it a 90-degree angle from the hole. I fuck it up, and all of a sudden, my potential for a par all of a sudden becomes a triple bo- uh, bogey, and the round is ruined. It's you know the same thing with like a Logan Ryan or Daniel Jones, where one mistake, all of a sudden, it changes everything, and you get this bad taste in your mouth. But, you know, overall, he's played a really good game, and we'll, we'll talk the same way about Daniel Jones coming up, too. But, you know, don't let the one singular highlight or talking point bad play color your overall assessment of how somebody plays, especially on a team like this in a situation like this where we're not concerned about that's going to cost us the playoffs or something. This is all still about a, a team gelling and getting better together. I mean, that's an interesting way to put it. Um, let's get into Daniel Jones then. Um, I sure. actually didn't know what I wanted to do with him. For a good portion of this game, I had him jotted down on the side uh, as having a star uh, because he was playing a pretty sound game. Um, and I, I'm pretty I'm pretty adamant about my stars and farts. You know, people who played a mixed bag don't get either. You know, unless it's a really crucial play that fucked everything up. If you played a mixed bag and that one play really killed it, I'm going to give you a fart anyway. But I'm not really handing out stars. And so I'm not giving Daniel Jones a star for this game. I am actually going to give him an honorable mention, though. Um, He played a very methodical game manager style game. And grading him on the curve that we are grading him, that's very good. He took a very smart sack early on in the game, not trying to force anything, not trying to run, held the ball with two hands, tackled. He also had a brilliant 49-yard run, which I wish I could have seen. Fox decided they didn't want to air it. Um, You know, the big thing that really killed him in this game, the only thing that killed him in this game was an interception. And so I immediately crossed him out. He's not getting a star. I wasn't even going to honorably mention him. But I've rewatched it a couple times, and for starters, I don't know how that can be ruled an interception. I thought it was pretty clear and obvious in one replay that he landed out of bounds. After several replays, it confirmed it for me that he landed out of bounds, and the official still ruled that they couldn't overturn the call, and so it stood as an interception. So for starters, he didn't really throw a pick. And then for second of all, it really does appear to me that Jones was trying to throw that one away, which is what we want from him. He's off his back foot. He's getting demolished as he does it. He tries to air it out. He just didn't put enough into it. I'm not giving him a pass for it. He still gets blame. If he's going to throw it away, just, I don't care if you launch it in between the uprights. Get it out of bounds. Period. I mean, that is the rule with throwing away the ball. Make it so that no one can catch it. That cannot be possible. So it's still his fault. But what we're looking for with him is not trying to force things when you're about to get hit. You know, Three weeks ago, would I have expected him to, you know, try to dodge that sack and get strip sacked? Probably. Do I expect him to try and force it to somebody who's not open because he's got pressure in his face and an interception there? Probably. This was him trying to do the right thing and he fucked it up. So I'm not going to take away everything that he did right in this game. He played a very sound game for just that. Um, So I just want to acknowledge the baby steps of Daniel Jones in his progression. Um, and not for nothing, but throwing an interception... Okay, it, it's not just that it was a pick, right? It was a very long, like, 
seven minute drive or something like that that was very methodical you don't have a big lead so a methodical drive like that has to end in points period should be seven but has to end in points a red zone turnover is what you cannot do because then all that time that you just ate up it works against you it works for you if you score because now you've given the opposition less time to try and get back into the game but if you don't score and you give up the ball then all you've done is take time away from yourself. So, I mean, that's that's the real killer in this situation. This isn't any old interception at any old point in the game. That's a spot where an, a turnover just can't happen. You eat the sack or something so that you can get a field goal. You know, you do something. And what he was trying to do was the correct thing, right, to throw it away. He didn't, though. He just didn't get it out of bounds far enough. But let's, again, I want to put things in a little bit of perspective is that the narrative about Daniel Jones and the perception about Daniel Jones is he is a turnover machine. That doesn't mean that every time he has a turnover, that just means turnover machine, that's Daniel Jones, I'm out, get rid of him, tank for Trevor Lawrence or whoever. I mean, I saw on Twitter, I had texts from friends today who were just like, Every week is the same thing with him. Every week's a turnover. Well, you know something? Look around the league and look at the stats of every starting quarterback in the league. Turnovers do happen in this league. You know, bad decisions happen, bad throws happen, great defense happens. So every time, you know, from now until Kingdom Kong, when Daniel Jones throws a pick, or is a fumble. I don't need to hear the chorus in unison of, well, that's a turnover machine because it's different. It's not, you know, it's, he had one turnover today. A turnover machine is, you know, it, it's, uh, it's Jameis Winston. A turnover machine is a guy like, you know, Eli Manning was in the final third of his career. I mean, you almost expected as much in the red zone for him to have that, you know, absolutely atrocious pick or the, you know, the the fumble in there. I mean, he was pretty bad in the end. And I don't know if people are just conditioned that that oh, same old Giants, no difference, because now it's a, a quarterback like Daniel Jones. But let's, let's kind of stop a little bit with the every time something goes wrong, it's just, oh, the same old, same old. I mean, it was a, it was a, a, a as Grump said, a bad timing, bad execution of something, but... You know, that wasn't as much as bad decision-making as bad execution, I think. And, you know, so before you go, you know, crazy, before, you you know, I know a lot of you have your decision made on Daniel Jones, and I'm not exactly sure how you can have a a final thought that you're out on Daniel Jones after 18 games, you know, with his second offensive coach and and, and, uh, offensive system with no offseason to really prepare for it, with a crappy offensive line, with no Saquon Barkley, no number one receiver, you know, with a bunch of twos and threes, but no real go-to guy, you know, tight ends who don't block to help that offensive line, but you're out on them. You're done. I I would would venture to say there are very, very few, probably no GMs around the league or scouts around the league who say after 17 games, especially the way he's had a piss in the wind for the last two years, you know, to say he's out. So... 
And the decision doesn't have to be made this week or after every drive or every throw or after every game this year, too. Because I'll tell you what, right now, Dave Gittleman and and, and uh, Joe Judge and the coaching staff are not looking at the way you are. So save your breath. It's, you know, we're not there yet to make those decisions on Daniel Jones. Yeah, I mean, it's been said to death, but uh, a lot of people saying, you know, imagine what Giants, Giants Twitter would have looked like for Eli Manning's, you know, 18th start. Um, he was terrible. I mean, he, he very honestly, he was very honestly terrible. The difference is also, I think that, again, Eli Manning came in as, you know, the guy everybody wanted. We traded up for him. He's a Manning. That last name has a lot of, a lot of weight. And it was like, okay, patience, patience, patience. He'll be fine. You know, Daniel Jones gets drafted. A lot of people were like, we reached to get him. We we wasted a pick. You know, why did after the whole thing with Barkley the year before? So he kind of had a strike and a half against him by a lot of this fan base to begin with. So the patience was low anyway. Uh, you know, again, I, I think to me, you really can't give a proper evaluation until it's almost time for the rookie contract to expire. You know, that's when you say, okay, we've seen enough you know, progression or lack of progression that this guy is a guy we want to keep around. But again, this has been one of the more difficult 18 game stretches a rookie quarterback or, you know, a second year quarterback has had to deal with probably in the last 40 years between being thrown in the Tampa Bay game with, you know, not being prepared in the, you know, his first off season to be a starting quarterback, you know, thrown in that way through the coaching chain, through COVID, through all of this stuff. And, you people are not happy. You're, you, and you think he's not the answer, not the franchise quarterback. So I just say, you know, and I don't want to do this rant every single week after every single throw, every single pick, but guys, <laughs> let's watch him play more and see what happens. You know, it'll be pretty obvious if we think he's the guy or not going forward. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I didn't have any other stars to hand out. I don't know if you... Uh... Not really. I mean, I, again, I think your evaluation of Jones overall today, is, you had a little higher opinion than I did. I mean, again. I mean, he didn't really throw that much. He threw under 20 times today. He completed yeah. 12 passes. I mean, he, it was more about how he looked when I was watching him. He looked comfortable. Um, yeah, yeah. That's... Finally. And you know what? You know, for, for what that's worth, this wasn't a group of scrubs on the defensive line they're going against. If there's one area of the Washington football team that I can actually speak glowingly roster-wise, it's the entire pass rush. And it really wasn't in his face then. Now, if you want to give credit to the offensive line, I don't know. I, I It's too early. I didn't watch enough to really grade the offensive line on a performance. But what I saw was Daniel Jones not panicking, and when things went out of whack him maintaining control of what needs to happen for the most part. Um, and that is the leap from Jones. That That's the first leap from Jones that we were looking for. It wasn't for him to throw 350 yards in a game. I mean, I know he can do that sometimes. It doesn't mean that things are going well for him just because he threw for a bunch of yards. I mean, he did that last year in some games. Um, it's really just about comfort and looking like you're in control of the offense, you're in control of the game, and that you're not just a participant on a roller coaster ride. And I did see that from him. So he he hit that first benchmark for me. Let's see if he can hit the second benchmark, which is consistency with that. I mean, if he starts looking like his head's spinning again next week, then you know maybe 
maybe uh, he whatever. I'll evaluate it then. I mean, we saw a little more, you know, obviously not as much as maybe some people would like, or, you know, we saw some more vertical plays down the field this week. You know, that, yeah, I mean, but that also, that's kind of how the way the game kind of developed too. I mean, and I, I'm that, not that, complaining. That, I'm just saying, yes, we saw yeah. some vertical stuff. We still saw some of Jason Garrett's weirdo route concept shit. Um, but I, I would agree with you, especially right off the gate. I mean, we, we pulled a, uh, a bootleg to Evan Ingram several yards down the field. The Darius Slayton touchdown was several yards down the field. Uh, I was, agree with was, you. Which was a beautiful throw, yes. by the way. That was a fantastic throw. Also, I believe, was getting hit when he did it. Yeah, that was a fantastic throw. Uh, yeah, I, people who want to see you know the complete uh, Jason Garrett offense, the whole playbook, it's not going to happen this year. I'm sorry. I mean, the combination of we're still breaking in a relatively new quarterback. And as much as people don't want to admit it or accept the fact that these teams had no real offseason. You, you know, you do not, to, we're not able to be in a room with these guys. So even what the instruction was, it's a lot of it on faith. Like, here's your playbook. Go figure it out. We'll talk to you next week or something. So, there was not going to be a full installation and a full, you know, execution of that playbook this year, unfortunately, because of situations out of the coaching staff's control. So we have to, you know, walk before we can run and getting the basics down and getting that comfort level dangerous is more important than having this, you know, dynamic offense, which is going to try to get, you know, 500 yards and 50 points every game. Uh, this is the way this game was kind of – this was going to be a game where you have to run the ball. And, and guess what? The running game is, is slowly getting better. It's Again, it's still not the greatest running game of all time, but, you know, it's not a complete – you know, it's think back to week one. This is a much better running game than it was in week one with a running back who's not nearly as good as a running back who's there for week one. Uh, the, the Daniel Jones uh, – that wrinkle he gives an offense of, you know, the bootleg and just running and taking off is now something that defenses going forward have to think about and they have to game plan for. And that, I don't know, 20 minutes a week is spent on that is 20 minutes away from, you know, all the other things that, you know, they have to prepare for, you know, the, the passing game and the regular running stuff. So, I mean, it's, uh, again, he's not Michael Vick, but, you know, it, He's an effective runner. He he can move. It's not even just that. It's it's knowing. I mean, that's that's a a read option there, Um, and he's good at reading it. I mean, it's not very often that he makes the incorrect read. If I I I, I'm making that call based on my memory dating back to last year. I I could be forgetting some things, but I, I don't really recall a truly bad read on a read option that he's run. But but guess what. In every RPO offense, it's never going to be 100% the right reads all the time. The quarterbacks are going to make the wrong reads sometimes. So, you know, saying you can't remember one specific one I think is very good because, you know, if you watch any game in college or the NFL that, you know, uses the RPO a lot, not just as a strict gadget, you know, trick play once or twice a game and that's the end of it, you're going to see there's going to be you should have you should have just kept it or that was, you know, uh, should have pitched it there. I and mean, it's going to happen. So that's okay. 
Um, but I, I, I think, though, again, as much as it's still too early to judge on Daniel Jones, I think it's way too early to people have these assumptions that the play calling sucks and Garrett was a mistake. Because I, I just think, again, extraordinary set of circumstances are preventing these guys to really do what they want to do. And it's just going to take more time to implement what they want to do. Regarding Jones, um, I, I kind of maybe we should set a standard now for him. I mean, like I said, this wasn't about him stats wise or, or whatever. It was really just about the way he looked in the pocket and the baby sets that, I, that I'm setting out for him. I mean, are we? You know, he he only threw for 112 yards in this game. He really didn't throw much. 12 completions on 19 attempts is very low for the NFL. Um, you know. On the flip side, we didn't have that many plays. I mean, it was, and it was, and if you look, you know, the uh, time possession was pretty close, you know, until the last drive Washington had. Then it, it opened up a little more, but, you know, for three plus quarters, the time possession was pretty even. It was just kind of, you know, with so much more running and stuff that the, the, the game clock just kind of moved. Yeah, it was a short game. I mean, I was going to say, I mean, Still, I mean, and picks and, and pick sixes do that to you. I mean, pick sixes, you know, they're they're great. Seven quick points, enough to really do any work for. But that usually right tilts, yeah. It, it, it tilts time possession in the opposite direction because of that. So, yeah, it's a problem. I, I think. I guess I'm, probably I guess everybody will write like, in. I don't know what stat wise would keep him off once I, you know, he's established that he's comfortable in this offense. I mean. Surely, twelve of nineteen for one hundred and twelve yards with one touchdown and one interception is not star material on its face. Um, well, forget so. forget about forget about star material. I mean, what? And maybe this is too early to know what that answer is. But in the ideal Jason Garrett offense, how many attempts do you want to see Daniel Jones throwing a game versus how many? quarterback rushes versus how many just overall rushing attempts would you like to see in that mix? Or is it still too really early to tell yeah, based upon so. current personnel? I mean, cause again, you know, this is a weird game. It, it felt, you know, the combination of the empty stadium, two bad teams. I mean, we're watching two below average to bad NFL teams. Uh, you know, having the 12th string Fox announcers, which I'm going to get to them in a minute when we talk about farts, but, you know, it, it, it really felt like I was watching a preseason game. You know, there was – it just didn't have that kind of, like, energy at all. And, you know, you're watching uh, – Kyle Allen's not a good quarterback. Daniel Jones is a – right now a below-average NFL quarterback. Uh, you know, two teams are going nowhere. And it just had that ugh, feeling about it. So well, let's, let's get into farts. I, I'm going to give a, a real one here to – there wasn't a singular Giants person that I think really played bad enough to deserve a fart. Um, so I'm going to give it to the defense for their tackling. This this was the first time, and I'm not, you know, I don't know if the blame goes to Patrick Graham or Joe Judge or whoever you want to attribute this to, but across the whole defense, there was this hit hard, no arm wrap up bullshit happening, and this was the like. There's like 30 yards that were just gifted to Washington, at least off of missed yeah. tackles in this game. I mean, it was right from the beginning of the game, and it continued all the way through to the end. And that that shit 
can't happen. And I'm surprised that it happened on a Joe Judge team based on what we know about him so far. Yeah, but we also know, though, that I think tackling is going to be bad all year across the league and in college. For this team. I mean, this team uh, has been yeah. good. At, I mean, their problem has been getting off the field on third down and, you know, things well, that, like that. Well, that was, that was going to be my part for the game was but the again, ability to get off. This, yeah. this, this inability to get off of third down, I mean, we were seeing on first down guys getting hit at the line of scrimmage and then slipping a tackle and getting four yards. And, oh, now it's second and six. So now getting off on third down, I mean, Washington was in a lot of, like, third and two situations. I mean, this yeah. wasn't like in the past couple of weeks where we were complaining about getting off the field in third down. There were things like third and seven, third and eight being given up, third and over ten. I mean, that that is a specific at that point. That's a third down problem. What we saw in this game, I think, was just shitty. It was just bad defense in in a lot of ways. I mean, not the, the play calls are all right. They're right there, and they're just not executing well and it was yeah, just I mean, awful to watch it was frustrating yeah i think to me that's more just today was just not a crisp day as opposed to i mean it was not <laughs> as opposed to the previous crisp days no but no 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 <laughs> i mean before the problems were more you know uh just guys not in right position and there was obviously tactical you know things that it was like oh this isn't a good necessarily in the secondary i think things are cleaning up that way where it's not Guys are getting big chunks of yards on 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 big plays and stuff. I, I, you know, to me the frustration was more like you said, like on the the tackling and that's like sometimes the defense in some games just isn't playing crisp, you know, fundamentally sound as opposed to just, you know, there are structural problems going on here. And you know, I can deal with things like that today more than just you know there are guys that shouldn't be on the field or we just game plan wrong against this team or you know, they just exploited something over and over again. That's bigger problems for me. This just sort of happened and every team has that. I think it's, I'm quite frankly surprised it hasn't happened more often to this team, you know, because all around the league and in college too, we, you know, you, you can't catch up in the middle of the season for things that were lost in the off season, you know, basic fundamentally tackling drills and, and, and technique, Coaching, those are things you do in the off season. During the regular season, it's about installing and prepping for your next opponent and doing walkthroughs about that. And you know, you're not spending time, this is how you wrap up, you're not doing this. It's you know, every week goes so fast in this league. It's and the reduced amount of time you have to actually be on the field and do things. So that's not gonna come back this year. And it's unfortunate, but that's the way it is. You know, glad we have football anyway, but there are going to be games like that where the tackling is just going to be poor. And this was, this was one of them. Um, this was really though the first game this year that was really, I felt frustrated about not getting off the field on third down. It just felt like, and maybe it's because who we're playing against and, you know, a quarterback like, you know, Kyle Allen doing as opposed to some of the other quarterbacks we faced, but it was just, to me, I was irritated by, you know, this team just can't get off the field. And, uh, you know, um, I would like to give a fart and, Usually you don't worry about the other team, you know, but I like to give a fart to Ron Rivera. I, I, I honestly, and I also, this will be also with the announcers too. There is something where, you know, announcers refuse to criticize coaches when they make incredibly stupid decisions. And now the term is riverboat. You know, 
just because a quarterback a coach does makes it goes out on a limb and does something that's crazy, he's a riverboat gambler. It's it's it started with Tommy Tuberville when he was at Auburn. He was the riverboat gambler. And because you do these crazy things, it would work. Happened with Les Miles in LSU. Uh, you know, now all of a sudden, Ron Rivera is a riverboat gambler. That's not being a riverboat gambler. I don't even know what that even fucking means. But that decision to go for two at the end of the game was just beyond stupid. I mean, I don't know if he just, you know, we wanted to be spared from having watching any more time of this game than we had to or what. But, I, you know, again, know who your team is. You, know, you still, at the end of the day, have Kyle Allen's your quarterback. There's no real running game. You know, I just think that, you know, decisions like that are really dumb. And the way that it's kind of chuckled about by these announcers is, oh, he's just, you know, you know he's, you know, being uh, eccentric and going for it. It's just really stupid. Yeah, like, like it's a, like a character quirk of his. Yeah. I mean, it's guys like Mike Leach in, in college who are they just because they're quirky that, you know, they're these weird personalities. It's like, oh, ha, 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 you know, going for it in a dumb situation where it doesn't make any sense. And I'd be pretty super fucking pissed if I was, you know. There's a thing also and it's with fans and it's with bad announcers too. It's like, well, he really wants his team to man up here and he's trying to have a gut check for him. No. The goal is to win the game. It's not to prove that you're a man or not or prove you can do it. It's what is the smart – you have to put your team in the best position to win. That's your job. And it's not trying to see if you're tough enough or, you know, a heat check on him or anything. And that's, that's just stupid. I mean, you go to overtime, you take your chance in overtime. Much better percentage chance of winning than going for a situation like that. So, you know, the fact that he did it and the fact that he was enabled to it by the announcers, to me, that's just farts all around. And I'm happy it worked out in our favor, but Jesus Christ, stupid. I'm going to agree. I, you know, in the back of my mind, I had this feeling he was going to do it anyway. But still, if it's me, I'm playing for overtime in that moment. I, I don't understand the, the, the need to. Well, I'm, people defend it, man. Um, well, the, the, the thought of what do you have to lose is so beyond dumb. It's like, well, they're, they're 0-5. What do you have to lose? Well, start by you could lose the game. And be zero and six, and talk about and talk about the things we talked about well, being the, the show. Where they, they have a win this year, a, a division win. That's true. I keep forgetting that they played division win. Actually, would have went a long way for Washington in this. In, Put you in, in first the, place. Division, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, how about that? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't condone that. Yeah, I, I, you know, I didn't even consider giving farts to the other team, but yeah. I, I don't normally do it, but you know, the problem. You know, I thought it was just stupid, but. Again, when we have the ninth string Fox announcers on there who are just god awful, man, that, that whole everything. I mean, it's not just the announcers; it's the crew. I mean, it's the cameramen, it's the guys in the booth. It's it, they're trying to transition to stuff around the league, and they don't have the video ready. You know? Oh yeah, they, they god, the announcers are getting names wrong. They're saying shit that doesn't even make any fucking sense. It was well. Guess what? Brutal. Guess but what? We've earned that as an organization. Yeah, I was gonna say. You know. Uh, Giants Redskins on a Sunday in mid October is one o'clock and it's the you know the Q team for Fox. You know the Buccaneers. No one gave a shit about for ten years, but you get you get Tom Brady and you start winning. You're getting Buck and Aikman every game, and that's that's the price you pay for being shitty and being not only shitty 
being irrelevant. You know, it's a game no one, no one nationally cared about. Nobody. I don't even know why I even cared about it. <laughs> but, you know, it's just, it's, that's well, what I mean, you're going to get. Of course, of course we're like this shitty fucking awful team uh, when my only option is to watch the games on TV. Right? We, we could be, you know, some great organization this year where I, I'm forced to watch them uh, be called by Nance and Romo a whole bunch. That would be too. That would be too kind. So. Well, yeah. I listen. Now we're gonna get into the cranky fan for a minute. Where, of course, this is the year of COVID, where I was forced to not be able to go to the Stanley Cup to watch the Lightning win the Cup, and now instead of having World Series games in my own stadium and only pay a fraction of what I'm gonna to have to pay, I have to go all the way out to Arlington in a bubble and pay God knows how much for tickets. So COVID has kind of screwed me on both ends, on the very good teams I have and the and the city teams I have. Do, I don't know. Do you have any other farts? Uh, not really. I mean, again, the goal is to win the game. And, you know, we are not in the position as an organization, as a team, as a fan base to specify what type of win we're getting and not be happy we don't get that type of win. I mean, let's put things in perspective. This was a win, a win against a division team, a win against a rival and, you know, in spite of a couple of high-profile mistakes, was, you know, positives in moving forward with this franchise. I mean, the, after this week, this team is not still spinning its wheels where it was this time last week. We have moved forward a little bit. And, you know, we stress patience on this show. And I think if you are a patient giant fan who, you know, hasn't made their mind up that we should have been in the Super Bowl this year, we should be firing everybody and, drafting quarterbacks and all this stuff, you know, you saw what you need to see today. And if you're one of those guys, I don't know what to tell you. You know, you're going to have a miserable life because you're never going to be happy. So, um, you know, we also could be the Jets. (laughs) I mean, I mean, we are, I, I firmly believe have this organization has already hit rock bottom and it is, you know, working its way back up. It may not be as fast as you want it to be, but we have already hit the bottom and we are moving back up. That organization keeps digging new holes to make lower bottoms every single time they play. I mean, you know, I thought, and I don't want to make this the Jet Jet, the Just Jets show, but for a second, but I was under the opinion that I thought coaches would have incredibly long leashes this year because of COVID. You know, I really thought that, you know, it wouldn't be fair to fire coaching staffs because they didn't have a chance to fully, you know, get these their teams ready to play. Now, as soon as they fired Bill O'Brien, I said, well, you know something, this is not just a 2020 problem with him. I think there's other issues with him in the past, but, you know, coaches are starting to get fired now. And the fact that, you know, Adam Gase is still a head coach in this league is just boggling my mind. I mean, let me ask you, Grump, you know, does it really make a difference if you fire a coach in week four or week eight or just wait to end the year or not? Or is this such a lost year for a team like that? that you might as well just save the money and keep them through the end of the year. Like what good is made out of firing a guy like that now? I don't know. Um, other than you can start your search. But with the Jets, I think what we're looking at is – think what we're looking at is a complete teardown. I mean, this is a team that 
drafted some good talent. They brought in some talent like Le'Veon Bell, um, and and stuff like that. And uh, now some of those guys are gone. Jamal Adams, Le'Veon Bell, they're they're not there anymore. And it appears that they're they're setting up to do a redo. Um, and I I think you know, they're at the point where they're about to jettison a coach and maybe a GM at the same time and just completely restart. I mean, the issue you have is whoever you hire has to be honest about what they want out of Sam Darnold. I don't know, really. Well, I just think they just they have no idea what they want to be. None. And I think that's from the top down. I mean, you you get a guy like Le'Veon Bell that there's no purpose in getting a guy like him for that team. None. And, you know... Every time they start to rebuild, you know, the, the paint isn't dry on the walls and they're tearing down the building and starting over again, too. You know, they, they don't there's no there's no patience. And because of that, I think it's because there's no direction. You know, where do they want to be and how are they going to do it? Uh, and, you know. I don't want to say I feel bad for my, my fellow Jet fans, you know, my, my friends that are Jet fans. But, you know, something this this is what they are. And. You know, if you want to complain about the Giants that, you know, you don't think it's happening fast enough, just look on the other side of MetLife and see what's going on there. And, you know. I mean, it's the same old story. I mean, they had a brief blip in 2009 and 10 with Rex Ryan and Mark Sanchez in a general philosophy, a defense heavy ground and pound offense team. And it, was working. I mean, say what you will about Rex Ryan and his personality, Mark Sanchez as a quarterback, whatever. That team made two AFC championships and very nearly yeah. to the Super Bowl. I mean, that was that was a team that was playing really well. And it was because there was a philosophy that was all being followed from the top down. I agree with you. I mean, I think you can win with a a, you know, guns blazing style offense. Uh, and I think you can win with a game manager style offense. You just have to get the right pieces and just make everything fit like a jigsaw puzzle. And and commit to it. I think that's the thing too. Is I think you know the Jets. The Jets are kind of like the Mets, where they like to acquire names of guys who are either past their prime, they overspend, or just not are not fits. You know, and it, it, again. Part of it, I don't know if it's because they want the back pages and they're trying to, you know, they're always going to be second fiddles, you know, to the Giants and the Yankees, respectively. I, I don't know what it is, uh, but moves they make never seem to align with the other moves they just made and with the time frames at the time of the moves they had made either. And it just becomes this hodgepodge of a mess. Which What I was saying is uh, 09 and 10 were the outliers. I mean, this isn't yeah. this isn't a problem that they've had since 10. It's that 09 and 10 are the 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 sore thumb, you know, the evergreen in the forest kind of thing. I mean, other than that, I mean, well, that's, this is normally what the Jets are like is every couple of years yeah. cycling out new quarterback, new GM, new coach and just going and going and going. Well, it's also again, they haven't had a good hire in a long time and those, you know, GM or coach. Yeah, I mean, Rex right. Ryan I mean, I don't know what, what history will ultimately say is Rex Ryan as a head coach, uh, but you know this this cavalcade of guys they bring in who are just not head coaches. Todd Bowles is not a head coach. Adam Gase is not a head coach. These guys are not good, and they just keep hiring them. I mean, the days that they can attract a Bill Parcells to come here, those days are long gone. 
you know, and I, I don't, I don't, I honestly don't know unless they just get lightning in a bottle with some young, you know, assistant they hire who just kind of works out well. But so far, going the assistant route, bringing head coaches has not worked, and uh, that's their problem. <laughs> but again, my whole point for that is, as Giant fans, put in perspective what's being done here versus what really and truly is terrible and going nowhere. And with that, on Thursday, for those of you who want to make the trip, Philadelphia is allowing some fans. So the Giants will be playing on Thursday in Philadelphia um, at 8.30 or whatever time Thursday Night Football is, sometime after 8. If you're like me and want no part of that, it'll be on TV. So you can (laughs) deal with whatever announcing crew handles that shit. I think it's actually like Buck, isn't it? Buck, that'll be that'll be Buck and Aikman. So we'll get a lot of we'll get a lot of that's a heck of a play. He's trying to make a play, and you know more and oh and a banal commentary for Aikman. I believe Buck is calling the World Series, so probably a whole lot of cross promotion. That right? He'll be uh, yeah. He I think I read something today that he will be. He has seven games in seven days across the sports. Like right now, you know, obviously he did the Bucks game today. Uh, I don't even know who this announcer is doing game seven uh, on Fox, uh, the baseball game, Uh, but he will be in Dallas like me for the world series. Uh, uh, But I do. Well, you know something he might be going to uh, Philly because that is an off day for the the world series on Thursday. I believe he's, he's going to be there. Yeah. Which works out perfectly for me. So I can actually go to a bar in, in Arlington and watch. So, any giant fans who live in the Dallas area and you know of a good place to watch the Giants or want to watch the Giant game together with me, hook me up on Twitter at the Cranky Fan and maybe we'll meet up and be miserable together. Any giant fan that wants to see me lose my shit, um, follow me on Twitter <laughs> at football underscore grump because Giants Philly will always bring out the absolute worst in me. Um, it's not pretty. Not no, pretty. It, oof, no. oof. At least, I mean, you don't have to see it with your own eyes this year, so lucky you. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but we'll see you all on Thursday. As for the podcast itself, we will have our episode up Thursday morning, uh, the day before the, the, the day of the game. Uh, so be sure to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, wherever. Um, and you will have that episode in your queue ready to listen to when you wake up and head to work or the living room um, Thursday morning. Sounds like a plan. Big, big, big week this week, everybody. You know, uh, if you, uh, if, if you hate the Dodgers or you hate the Braves, you can jump on my bandwagon for the, the Rays this week in the world series. Or if you just, Hey, if you want to root against me, go root for those teams. I, I don't really care. I mean, I'm sure all you Yankee fans are still kind of, hard asked about me and that's fine but uh yeah i'm be very busy this week with uh with world series and giant action so i'm excited and with that everyone we will see you thursday morning go giants go giants